Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. I want to start this episode by saying I'm a count downer, and Jake, you're a count upper. What's that about? I had a moment of hesitation when we were counting in to synchronize our audio tracks just a second ago, and I don't know what I ever did. Have I always done one, two, three, or three, two, one? No, you're a one, two, three, or one, two, okay. Three. Yeah, I I'm feel a like three, when, two, one, or yeah, I yeah, I think I'm one, two, three generally because of uh, races. Like we always would go one, two, three, go, go. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like in TV and production, it is more three, two, one. But I'm that's I did that later in life, so I think I just kind of been ingrained. Here's why you're both wrong. It's <laughs> It's five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> five, there you six, go. Seven, yeah, that's eight. true. That's true. Okay, so from now on, when we synchronize and when we start the broadcast, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be and a five, and a six, and oh, a five, six. I'm lost. I lost. I'm not a dancer. <laughs> hey, welcome to To Boldly Watch. I'm Ensign Becca. I'm Commander Jake Michaels. And I'm Lieutenant Commander Xander. Oh, I've never said that all the way through. It rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Xander. Yeah, Help, I'm stuck in the holodeck. Let me out. Oh, no. We'll get what the simu- holodeck. What simulation are you in? The calisthenics one. Did you see the screenshot of all the other options that they had? There were there? some. There was like the Klingon ceremonial. The like, rite of ascension. Yeah, I, that yeah. was from when he had to do the pain stick walk. Yeah. I mean, the ceremonial cattle prodding. Yeah, right. I I was wondering if she was going to accidentally go into that one. Ooh, well, that would cost too much. Accidentally, they she's couldn't into get those it. extras. Yeah, she's into it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> wow, who is she, and what are we, and why are we together? <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and specifically this episode. This episode. This episode. <laughs> It's an episode <laughs> titled The Emissary. The oh, Enterprise crew discovers a Klingon sleeper ship whose occupants don't know the Federation and Klingons are at peace. At least now after having watched the episode, that doesn't feel like the synopsis of this episode. Nope. That's the D plot. Yeah, that yeah. really is the B plot. So I'm going to try that again and not rely always on memory alpha to be accurate on this because in reading that, I don't I don't feel that's really it. It's more that uh, the Enterprise encounters a coffin-sized probe uh, which emerges a potential emissary and mate for mm-hmm. Lieutenant Worf. Jake, you're a great writer. <laughs> Thank you. Great work. A plus. As far as improvising something to sound as if it's been pre-written, that's a more difficult task. Yeah, it is difficult. It is difficult. I'm going to give you a, a B plot plus. That's fine. I will take that. I actually was thinking it was B lower, plus. so I'll, I'm grateful. No, you got there. You got there. Uh, before any of this, though, like we we saw something that we have discussed previously on this podcast. We see Jordy cheating at poker. <laughs> True. Okay. Any episode that begins with poker, you know, is going to be a good one. Um, mm-hmm. It did make me think there would be more data in it than there was, but sure. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm always true. down for a data heavy episode. We didn't get to see, I, I distinctly remember from my childhood him doing some very quick shuffling at some point, like maybe they yeah. sped up the camera. That was normal uh-huh. speed he did today, right? It was just really good. 
I think they'll get into the gimmick of the poker yeah. thing, and they'll try different ways to, like, how can we make it weird this time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it was 1.125 speed. Uh, <laughs> I think that's just how you watch it, Becca. <laughs> I bend. <laughs> I bend. I bend. I acquiesce to that, or make compact, mm. or capitulate. I like that he's trying to make up his own slang. That's great. He's like, yeah. he's like, okay, what's a synonym? That's probably a thing. If not, I will create it. They yeah. should shut him down. <laughs> But we do, from the beginning, get the sense that Worf is going on a journey this episode because we realize he's the Iceman. Cool (laughs) under pressure, Mm -hmm. always, always winning when it comes to poker, uh, at least with the poker face aspect of it. And there's some flirtation with Pulaski and Worf in the (laughs) poker scene as well. Do you notice? She calls him I didn't handsome. see flirtation. This is the second time you've said this about these two, and both times Xander and I have been like, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't Look, see flirtation. I, I think it's think... like fun adversarial. Same. That's what I thought. Old buddy, old pal. Could be. Could but be. what do you think, Beck? I want to hear it. Uh, their, their relationship is becoming more defined. Mm-hmm. Well, because I can see how in other posts, Pulaski would be like the wharf of the ship in that she could be seen as cold or unfeeling or a harsh. Uh, I don't just know what you mean. Her demeanor. <laughs> but come in full this circle sense, on your guys' opinions on this? No, no, no. It, she could it's be irony. perceived it's that irony. way. Verbal irony. Uh, and because I think have... Pulaski is a cold-hearted nightmare. <laughs> no, she's delightful, and I think this is the like when you put two standoffish p- characters together, inevitably you're going to get conflict, and it's coming out on the poker table as opposed to like fists, which I would. <laughs> I would like to see that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not Pulaski style. I think if she really wanted to take somebody down, it would just be a little. Yeah, that's she would do something to the (laughs) T. Yeah, never trust the T. All right. Well, besides us theorizing about her roofing wharf, uh, we have some (laughs) enigmatic orders, which are that we go to see. um, What are the enigmatic orders? We have to check out some commander lady who comes on the view screen and is like, "Yo, Picard, I got a thing. You got to do the thing. It'll be clear (laughs) once you thing the thing." Yeah, it was so vague. Yeah. And they even say, like, if it's vague, then, the, you know, it's serious. Like, they they call it out on it. Yeah. That was a good, that's a good way to actually start the episode. It's like, we're up for a challenge if they're going to mm. be mysterious about it. What we learn is that there is a probe vessel headed towards the Enterprise that they think a person is on. Because I guess they were told by Mysterious Commander Lady there's some sort of emissary coming. And uh, they can see that... It's only two meters long, not tall enough for a person to stand. Maybe you could put one person in there if you took out the life support. A little wild. Didn't they Mm. also say it was capable of warp nine? Did I hear that right? That is the reason why someone would be sent in this probe vessel so they could get there fast because it is a time-sensitive matter. Oh, we'll just ignore the warp nine and just say, like, warp 8.5 or something. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, why? I thought you could go to warp 10. You well, you can't go to all the way to warp ten. You can go to like nine point nine nine nine. But I think like warp nine, it might like disintegrate or something. <laughs> it, it, I think I don't know. I think that was a line they kind of threw in there, and then mm. like every person, every Star Trek nerd was just like, yeah. maybe they caught it later because when they're intercepting in the transport this probe vessel, which comes across like a coffin, the card says <laughs> yeah. speed up 
to 8.5 warp speed, and oh. we're going on a trajectory that is parallel with the probe. So I guess you've got to be, you know, moving at the same speed in order to transport successfully. New rule. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, that's a good well, point. No, that's, that makes sense. Yeah, that especially sense. if transporting at warp, that's dangerous. Well, it's like jumping uh, on and off a train car. Yeah. You have to be at the same speed. Otherwise, the velocity and momentum is going to get someone squelched. <laughs> squelched. That's yeah. a spacey term. Mm -hmm. Also, the train car is a coffin. This is terrifying. Like, right. who wants to be hurtled through space in that where you're just like with a mask <sighs> over your face? Klingons don't mind <laughs> difficult situations. Mm. And we meet Kalar, Yay. the most mid-Atlantic speaking Klingon you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's half human. You can't blame yeah. her. And then we find out uh, that. All right. Do we want to talk about the brown face now or later? Hmm. Um, when I guess now, apparently. <laughs> yeah, now. Okay. What's up? The, yeah. I don't know. I, I just was like, later there's some romantic scenes. And I thought, oh, what a beautiful representation of black love on the screen right here. And then I said, hold on. Let me look up this actress. Mm. She's, she's a white woman, redheaded. And um, I think that... Xander, you can speak to how Discovery has dealt with Klingons being cast as people of color if they're going to paint their faces brown. Um, uh, and, you know, her performance is incredible. Their chemistry is great. Uh, it's just her face is painted brown. And mm. um, as a, a person with white skin, I, I don't really, I don't know. We, we all are white. So mm. <laughs> uh, I want to bring it up. Bring yeah. attention to it. I think it is a thing that, as a society, no longer is cool. But they were trying to um, just tell a story about Klingons, and they had established this is the way they look. Maybe should have cast an actress of color in that role. I agree. Uh, and this is also reflecting back on original series, where it was it was a version without like any sort of augmentation to like the foreheads or anything like that. It was just white people in some brown makeup and affectations and things like that for, for some of they it. They have eyebrow stuff or was that the Romulans? The, the Romulans had like the, the big eyebrow thing, but mm -hmm. I think they, they would modify, like have facial hair, things like that. Um, but, you know, I feel like this was TNG's version of trying to acknowledge like these Klingons that they're even encountering are from a different, from the past. Yeah. So it's sort of like, bringing that up in a way but i again i agree with you becca i think that at the time it was trying to be more progressive and it failed and it would not fly today so are they on discovery only casting are they casting all different racial types for klingons now well in discovery there's a different sort of um Look. design to the klingon makeup as well Wh which is what well they're like bluish gray type of thing like one of the main Klingons that's the whole storyline is it's sort of like an albino Klingon yeah it gets kind of complicated and the first couple of seasons of oh interesting I hadn't even seen these guys great yeah the the performances of the Klingons is great it's it's tough this is this is something that Star Trek has had to deal with the from its inception because it's got these roots in the 60s you know? right right well then i thought when i can't remember if we read about it in the writer's uh bible episode or somewhere else but like i recall them actually having to deal with that by changing their makeup in this and like regarding it not as like a brown tone but as like the alien tone because they cast so many right. people of different um, ethnicities in Klingon roles because mm -hmm. I remember also in the movies like Christopher Lloyd yep. played a Klingon mm -hmm. um, who was the uh, 
Christopher Plummer played one, and he his was like General Chang, and he had actually a very like almost Asian uh, affectation to him, which is definitely that one's crossing a different line for sure. Yeah. Um, but his makeup was also really amazing. But like, uh, I don't know. I, I, that's interesting, Becca. I've never, I've definitely thought about this in in TV shows in the past where they do it. But with aliens, I always thought it was a little different. But this is a fair point, especially because she's actually played someone else uh, in this um, series. Do you guys recognize this actress? No. no. She was um, the Vulcan scientist from Schizoid Man, Dr. Oh, Solar. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, she did a great job there, too. Yeah, I thought she was great. Mm-hmm. It was part of an away team that went down. Yeah, to yeah. The guy. She's like this tall, well-postured Vulcan. She was, she was yeah. great. Um, she will also go on to play a couple of characters in, I believe, Enterprise and Voyager. In Voyager, she's the female Q. And in oh, Enterprise, she's oh. Tara, the first female Andorian. Wow! Yeah, she's an I amazing feel... actress. Yeah, yeah, I thought she did a great job with this. I yeah, I don't I don't know. I yeah, I think that this is just a learning lesson of like because originally and the mm. reason why they gave them forehead ridges is because they very clearly saw that the '60s version was explicitly blackface, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they came to this, they were like, "Well, now we've established that they have a more alien look, but they still are humanoid with brown skin." So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure people uh, on Patreon will have a lot of thoughts about this <laughs> and, you know, discuss. Hey, plug for the Patreon. For those of you that aren't Patreon members, guess what? You get to see um, uncut videos of our recordings and you get to participate in the awesome discussions that occur only there. Additionally, you'll get access to our Patreon-only episodes um, from... Season one, we discussed the writer's Bible, the story Bible for Star mm-hmm. Trek The Next Generation when they first started producing the show. And for season two, we're going to be having the trial of Catherine Pulaski, where oh. Xander and Becca uh, debate this Catherine character. Dr. Catherine Pulaski, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, Do- doctor, absolutely. Well, we should also mention all of her books, too, if we're going to go that far. Yes, I mean, oh, yeah. author <laughs> of uh, The Mind and You, Extensive Studies on Mr. Data. <laughs> so uh, you can check out our Patreon and become a subscriber of any level and get access to that as well. And let me just give a plot plus pluses to Nightcat and mm. Griffin Hawk for oh always gosh. giving a thorough commentary on each episode, which we very much appreciate. I Thank always enjoy seeing those email notifications, like when <laughs> it's like they've they've contributed it again. I was like, oh my gosh, there's three paragraphs of why this is great. It's great. Yep. And someday we'll have to publish them all into a compendium of Nightcat and, and Griffin Hawk's reactions to, to boldly watch. To boldly comment. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. The, for the um, time capsule. Right, right. Um, so, Kaylar, Kaylar, Kaylar. Is that her name? Kaylar. 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 I feel like it was pronounced multiple ways in this episode. Yeah. Hegemony. <laughs> I mean, Klingon spelling's tricky. Yeah. Mm. She immediately recognizes Worf and Worf recognizes her. They have a history. Yeah, they have a very much a history. I want to know where and when this history began, where there were many things left unrequited. Uh, what we know about Kalar is, aside from her mid-Atlantic accent, she has a, <laughs> a Klingon father and a human mother. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Klingon anger. <laughs> well, she's as for an emissary, she doesn't seem to be very diplomatic. She's just like, we got to kill him. Like, <laughs> like, that's like their only plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this was a really interesting conundrum that she brings up. The, the mission that the Enterprise has to go on, I think, is uh, really fascinating. Once again, a super old ship that didn't get the memo. But this right. time, <laughs> they were cryogenically sleeping. So we haven't really discussed what the mission is. Basically, 
there was a Klingon war, as we all know. You know, we've heard the tales. <laughs> and that was resolved, and they became part of the Federation. And that's why everybody's friends now. But if Klingons have been in cryosleep for 75 years, then they are unaware that the war is over and will unlikely believe the humans that they encounter when they wake up and they're in range of several Federation bases. So gotta kind of handle this delicately and discuss the options with the help of Kalar the Emissary. <laughs> on top of that, uh, Klingon vessels are on the way, but they cannot get there fast enough before the uh, Klingon vessel will awaken and potentially attack the Federation outposts. Oh, I missed that plot point. Okay, I was wondering, I was like, why don't we just have the Klingons deal with this? Because yeah, they need a friendly trying. face. I, okay, the Klingon is coming. Yeah. <laughs> So they have to, like, the Enterprise is the only option. It's the closest starship, and it's the one that has the most power. But we won't really even deal with any of this until Act 4. Like, everything right. else is just, like, uh, her and Worf, right? Mm -hmm. And Kalar and Deanna Troy have mm -hmm. an mm -hmm. automatic friendship built on the fact that they both come from the intersection between two cultures of human yeah. and something else. Uh, and... When when Kalar was like, oh, you got the worst of both worlds too, huh? Deanna says, I like to think of it as the richness and diversity of two worlds. And she's like, yeah, no, I got a monster inside me. I'll cling on. And then smashes a table. Smash tables. I think that it should be enterprise policy, maybe federation policy. When you have Klingon guests, you don't put them in the room with glass furniture. Just yeah, enough. that's a great policy. Maybe, Everything yeah. should be plastic. Any warrior, yeah, or or stone, or replicated stone. stone. <laughs> I Aluminum think that steel. we're done with plastic in the future. Yeah, but it's like it's a recyclable petroleum. plastic, or like you can demolecularize it, or something. Well, yeah. all of it is recyclable with a replicator. There we go. I'm I'm reading a promised land, and I just read chapters on the BP oil spill. So petroleum Oof. should stay in the ocean, is what I'm thinking. And I think <laughs> that the Federation figured that one out. Plastic's no longer a thing. Mm. Petroleum to stay under the ocean, right? Not in it. Under it, yes. yes. Yeah. Well, okay, cool. yeah. <laughs> Becca's putting all this petroleum in the ocean, you guys. Uh, no. You just got to pipe it in. It's fine. <laughs> That's where it came from. I've been going to Santa Monica every day and throwing any plastic I could find just as far as I can throw it. That woman at the gas station just pointing the hose towards the beach? <laughs> it's costing a fortune <laughs> it it's worth it I'm saving the planet <laughs> so uh, she decides to try and get to know uh, she tries to get out her anger at Troy's uh, suggestion by getting some exercise on the holodeck hold on hold on mm -hmm. hold on hold on we haven't even seen the first confrontation with her and Worf yet which requires costume change. Yeah, all the costumes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She calls it out. Sorry, I had to make myself beautiful in an yeah. all-red warrior suit, <laughs> jumpsuit. And he's not looking at all. He didn't take a peek. I'm familiar with your appearance. Yep. I feel like that suit could have been in a store in 1987, and the suit was just called The Future. And it would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. I'm going to take her next outfit. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. man, all of her outfits were great. Well, so the first I one was kind of whatever, it was pajamas, but like everything else. <gasps> Wait, let's talk about, so uh, they're alone. She's trying to make it like, hey, baby, what's <laughs> up? Haven't seen you in a while, six years ago. And he is full on wharf. Honestly, yeah. I can't imagine how he was any different six years ago, but let's go with it. Um, and she, And then they're talking a little business of like, Actually, we're here for a mission. Can we do the mission, please? After Worf had asked Picard if he could not be involved, 
for personal reasons. And Picard was like, business reasons? No. Uh, and Worf <laughs> withdrew his request. Business reasons. Uh, professional. I thought, <laughs> like, I get it. It's a TV show. But I did think this was an interesting, like, managerial choice of, like, put, like you know that there's a conflict. And he did this intentionally for Worf to, like, work this out. But when there's so much at risk, it's like, do you really want to work on Worf's feelings like right now? Or can yeah. we just sort of guy work who's on notoriously this later? not great with feelings? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I commend the decision. Mm. He needs Worf to grow. And also the two of them are the most familiar with Klingon culture on the ship, except maybe data, but that's an analytical sense. And they are the ones that need to work together. And Worf needs to be able to overcome that. Which That's Picard true. knows he's capable of because dude can't compartmentalize. <laughs> Have you seen him play poker? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, and, then it, and then it just turns into foreplay of them yelling at each other. And that's when she goes to smash the table. Yeah. Right. I do like the, the relationship that forms between Deanna and her because I think that there was a bond there that went beyond just the, the base cultural connections, but also they became friends. Yeah. And we got Girl, to see that look happen. At you. She's walking down the hallway and she's like, ooh, 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 feelings coming from here. Let me <laughs> yeah. go. Hey, you know, we have a hollow deck for this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can bust it up all you want. It's just like, do it in virtual reality. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot she gives him that very brief meeting adjourned. Like, definitely had, felt oh, like yeah. it had to be the last thing to say before you left the fight. I liked mm -hmm. that the whole, the way the dialogue was written in this fight because she's appealing to him on an emotional level saying there is no other option. We got to shoot the Klingon ship. And Worf has a great line, which is my experiences have taught me that there's always more than one solution, which is a thing, you know, Picard has very much that point of view. And it's cool that he's instilled that in all of his commanding officers. Um, and then she's like, you want to talk in our fancy Federation lingo? Oh, Oh, I'm game, um, but I will do it at an elevated volume. Good yeah. day, sir. Yeah, that's a good well, point. This is also a direct reflection because Kalar now is season one Worf, who would be like, oh, there's a Klingon vessel. There's no other option. We must destroy it. Klingons are vicious. They're terrible. Like they cannot understand. There's no other options. And that's how she sees like a part of herself and is also how she's approaching this. Mm -hmm. So I think Worf can see a lot of his growth in comparison to someone who's, you know, coming at this from the Klingon perspective. Star Trek does this a lot too, where they take a lot of people who are born from two different races or cultures and are like, have to force them to live in their dichotomy and address mm. them from both sides. And Worf always kind of was that despite being a full Klingon, but he's in a human atmosphere, right? Yeah. yeah. Adopted with, with a white family. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Star Trek, one of their main goals in their writing is to, bring up difficult issues through an extended metaphor. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes it misses the mark and doesn't yeah. stand the test of time, but a lot of times it, it does. Mm -hmm. um, unless you're doing Irish people. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, the, uh, there's a lot of um, interesting character analyzation, though, that happens in Voyager because Bellana Torres is also uh, half human, half Klingon, and gets also, spoilers a little bit, into a relationship with a human. And what does that mean? What does that mean for their offspring and, and that relationship as well? So I definitely recommend checking out Voyager. That's my favorite trek. I just remembered she was always my absolute favorite on Voyager. Mm. I find her so attractive mm. as a Klingon. Did you watch you know? Voyager, Becca? As a kid. 
Oh, see, this is the one Voyager, just as an aside, is one I never really saw. I think I th- saw like maybe two or three episodes of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, sorry, you need to learn about Captain Janeway. <laughs> yes, Captain I think Janeway. it was it was at the time in my life where I was getting out of Star Trek for a, for a time where I was like I was a little more self conscious about my nerdery because I was around like high school and stuff, so I wasn't mm-hmm. actively doing that. But then now I'm very eager to watch it with with both of you because I know also that it's there are episodes that are really amazing and there are a series of episodes that are really not and so that dichotomy I'm very excited to explore okay so it originally aired from from my ages when I was six to Uh eleven and my mom watched it so I see it's it's in there but yeah makes sense I'm excited to revisit well, speaking of revisit, we get a with fr- all of you <laughs> meeting a germ. Meeting a germ. Uh, speaking of revisiting, we go back to the holodeck and to Worf's calisthenics routine, where he gets. Yes. Okay, fight. now I need to talk about her outfit. Okay, so it's the same square shoulders right. jumpsuit, um, but this time it's like got a pink tiger stripey kind of thing, <laughs> but more warrior than just pink tiger stripes. So badass! I'm getting one. Well, in the late 80s, early 90s, if you hear calisthenics, of course you think aerobics or jazzercise. And so this is the perfect outfit, not knowing what the program is going to be. Yeah, it definitely felt like uh, like it was going to be a um, aerobics kind of feel to it at first with, with the style. But then you remember that it's all combat. It's all fighting monsters. With cl- and we've with, seen this before with, with Riker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the power yeah, glove. Yeah, just reach for your infinity gauntlet, yeah. oven mitt, and cut to new scene. Oven mitt with tire chains. <laughs> I was going to say that we see Worf going to the bridge and also being told he needs to relax and get it together because the Iceman is melting. <laughs> I've heard this Frosty the Snowman. I know how this ends. <laughs> Well, he goes down to the holodeck and finds Kalar just finishing up only level one, right? And uh, <laughs> approaches her and throws her a sword, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought re- they were going to fight. Uh, turns out going to level two, fighting new adversaries. And Klingons were the originators of BDSM culture. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, I mean, they just sort of hold hold hands too hard. You got to be careful, <laughs> especially when you have acrylics on. It just yeah, can be yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the nails can really bite in, you know, and it gets bloody. Yeah. Also, they raided a party city, and they're like, oh, remember this program? More party city monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get the rubber masks on. Yeah. I think that was actually the blood thing was improvised on set when they were no shooting. way i think so yeah they were like that's cool uh one of the set designers like we should do that or our product is um production designer said we should do that to like kind of increase the intensity they i think they wanted to maybe break a bone too but they thought that may be too Ooh, much that might have been <laughs> also, walking around with the cast for the rest of the episode just a public safety announcement don't creep on other people's holodeck programs don't just go oh in there gosh. and watch they could have been she could have been doing anything especially anybody from klingon culture because right? they are notorious for not calming down quickly yeah. in fact she I lunged at him at the end right oh yeah mm-hmm. uh she she turned and she almost attacked she was yeah. in fight mode did, I can't remember. Did he just, we just see him walking up or did we see him like he's, observing the program? There's like a dirty shot where he's, you see his profile like walk, creeping on her. Dirty from shot the of a dirty boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you need to remember to lock your holodeck door. <laughs> That's true. 
Yeah, and well, as, as the Locked. chief of security, Worf has the codes for all of that. So Worf either did a huge breach of security or she left it unlocked, which is on her. I think she left it unlocked because she wants She's like, to. Oh, no, I'm playing your program. <laughs> what could happen? And then my, my they he, he passes her the sword and she does the very much stage combat of like, here I come. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> and swings. I actually thought Worf was smiling during his fight scenes. I don't know yeah, if you noticed probably. it. He was kind of grinning a lot. I think that's because uh, that's in character. That's his greatest joy as a Klingon mm. is in battle. And the only time he smiles. We'll take it that way. <laughs> and then they do a very subtle thing. Cut to add after their hands are bleeding from some um, acrylics. Um, and then... Hand-holding. The line, some calisthenic programs are better than others. Really smooth. Nobody has any idea what happened if they're under the age of 13. I wanted someone to be buckling up a uniform. Yeah. Like, I wanted, like, Worf just at the end, like yeah. a zipper, like a boop. That's just hot. to suggest, because otherwise he was, like, in this crouch Spider-Man position. I was like, what just You don't happened? do that after sex? Well, I mean, depends. Yeah. The good stretch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you prefer to talk much and say little or to mm. say nothing at all? Mm. I think that's clear um, what each of us uh, would choose. <laughs> we have a podcast. <laughs> dot, so. dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> yeah, but um, mating rituals are very archaic for Klingons. Turns out no sex before marriage. So, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah well, have they, uh, I feel like they've have they had sex before, or was this no. really the first time? I guess he did say because we've made it, now we are husband and wife. She said it. something to the effect of, "We should have done that six years ago." Right. So I thought, "Oh, we should have done that six years ago." Okay. Now we also have to take this like with a grain of salt because this is Worf's version of Klingon culture, and again, he grew up away from Klingon culture reading about it and enforcing these ideas of honor and commitment and it might we've seen this before it might not necessarily be the case with modern klingons it's like he's only watched reality tv show versions of life and so that's what he understands it to be yeah yeah yeah, yeah, he's klingon book smart not klingon street smart exactly (laughs) yeah so this this could be just a belief that is held by Worf or by like these ancient traditions that he thinks are still uphold. Yeah, uphold. and these traditions are kind of unclear because he's like, okay, if I yell out this phrase, she's now mm. my wife, and she's like, I have veto power. And it's like, what right. is going on with this tradition? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thankfully she does because uh, she's like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And so he says, yeah, absolutely, sure. Um, but he's uh, he's really upset about it, and he's upset that she's not obeying their traditions, I guess. Mm. Is that what it boils down to? I would imagine that this is the equivalent of like being in a crowded restaurant and someone going down on one knee and (laughs) popping a ring out and then like the person being proposed to could be taken surprise and being like, what? What is happening? What what are you doing? No. You know, you realize you see the signs of the ritual happening, even though if you think it doesn't apply to you, you know, everyone else is watching. There's a whole thing happening and you have to give an answer. That's where I think the shouting and the response would yeah. come from. Okay. Like, she's seeing the thing happening and she's like, I'm not participating. <laughs> well, you know, they didn't really have a what's the equivalent of a prenup? A, a, a pre a pre fuck uh, agreement uh, that was like okay so uh, hold on pause for a sec we're not right. going to abide by the ancient rituals of Klingon culture and you're going right. to make some growly noise and then we're mated right also ouch my palm <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah, she's a modern woman, uh, and her half human side says, "I don't, I don't need to abide by all of these strict uh, cultural adherences." Um, mm. And and she's like, "Is honor all you care about?" It's a great line she asks, and like Worf, just he just tries so hard. Feelings are so tough for him. Yeah, he doesn't really know what to do with these ones. Mm. Yeah, he well, he was he was remarkably mature about their past. He was like, "We weren't ready." Uh, we lacked, what did he say? We lacked the commitment. And she's like, perhaps mm. we lacked the courage as well, which I, is obviously a shot at him and probably a fair one. But like, I liked how he analyzed it of like, we weren't ready, but then he's immature about the situation now. That was kind of a weird dichotomy. Cause you're right, Becca, he's not good with feelings at first, yeah. right now. Then, I think this this could go to uh, the skills of a counselor. With Troy, you can see that this is probably something he's had to deal with in the past, maybe inhibiting his duties. And so it could be something that he's had to talk about. Also enforcing why Troy might be close to her is being like, oh, you are who he was talking about. You know what I mean? Well, therapy's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. But he, <laughs> so he's been prepped for the past, but he, he hasn't, he doesn't know how to encounter the things happening in the present. Well, his reaction is to bring a chaperone to his next <laughs> meeting with her, Which and poor Data gets dragged along. To and she asks, she's so emotional. She asks a great question of Data, which is, "Whose behavior do you find more complex, uh, perplexing, mm. the Klingon or the human?" <laughs> This, just this is the second time in like three episodes Data has been used to cock block, right? Because uh, Picard used <laughs> yeah. him with uh, Loaxana. Yeah, yeah. I love how I mean, he's, he's really the ice man. He puts the ice on all romantic situations, right? Reciting analytical data is the number one mood killer. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going to call? Data. Data. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, it is difficult to choose. Is this a great mm. response? Um, and then we got to start figuring out B-plot stuff. So there's options of if they're still asleep, then we could beam on, mo- beam on over there, mess with their computers, keep them sleeping, which mm. Jordy's totally capable of. Mm. But if they already woke up early or some of them yeah, we were don't up, know. problems. Mm. Yep. And it, like, it doesn't really feel like there's much of a debate. Like She just is very firm about, like, look, we have to take them out. And everybody's like, well... And then doesn't really offer a bunch of better, better mm. solution because it feels like they're hamstrung. Like as soon as they encounter him, they're going to open fire. There's no hailing frequency chance or anything. I feel like this is the writers sort of taking the chance to really hammer some some of these themes home of, you know, we have saw her in the beginning and she's like, Klingons are dangerous. You must kill them. And our initial reaction will be, yeah. And then we see this develop and you see that she has this sort of like self-loathing part of her in her Klingon heritage. And she's reflecting this on the Klingon society. So she is taking this firm ground of there, there is no reasoning with them. This, I, I know this, this lives inside of me. So in her admitting to that they can be reasoned with, it's her admitting to herself that maybe it's not all bad. And she also needs to be in therapy. Yes. (laughs) I mean, therapy is good for everybody. Yes. Self-acceptance, baby. Um, Mm -hmm. One extra. Well, not extra. I think he's enough of a... He has a line or two. Uh, Do you guys recognize Diedrich Bader in the background? Was that uh, Oswald from the Drew Carey show? Yeah. Also, uh, more recently on Veep. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Diedrich What's Bader. his name? Uh, I'll put a link to uh, him in our description of the podcast. Also, put it in our private chat right now, Becca. Uh, you'll recognize his face as soon as oh, you see yeah. him. Oh yeah, what yeah, a he's cutie a pie! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was a sweet little baby, especially in this. In this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Um, you might know him from Office Space as well. Right, yeah, right. well, Custom Tactical Officer Diedrich Bader uh, has an action figure. <laughs> Does oh. he really? <laughs> It'll go with your O'Brien one. I was going to say, you can have a lot I more role-playing it. options now. I think mm. O'Brien was in this episode too, right? Yes, at the end, because he gets dismissed. Yeah, and the at the beginning too, he's, he opens up yeah. the old uh, probe. The old probe opening. The old probe. So the Klingons <laughs> appear and uh, predictably open fire, but it deals like minimum damage or something? Is it that, is it that their their weapons are like surprisingly they, outclassed or something? Yeah. The shields Well, they're that 75 the years has. old. <laughs> you think yeah. technology advanced. And I imagine given the yellow alert that shields up are on the Enterprise. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Good guess. Um, but the... but um, there was also we need to note sweet '80s workout music as they're doing <laughs> yeah. like a walk and talk power from the conference room to the bridge. Oh yeah, there was the music totally was very correct. present in this episode when she was marching back from uh, her little frustrating uh, meeting with Worf. There was also some crazy like synth town going on as well. You can see the beginnings of it that they're trying to think of musical themes and for like these types of episodes because like if it's a more medical based one you hear that type of music or if it's <laughs> yeah. more like soap Wait, what opera. is medical music? You know the the very pulse it like quickening um uh, it kind of like emulates Subtle. the sounds you would hear in an emergency room of like the beeping right. machines and stuff like that it kind of has that intensity you definitely hear it like on er or like as opposed to like a sweeping soap opera love dramatic theme strings and grandiosity it's more like precision and and direct rhythm yeah nice you guys sound like professionals Kind Five, of. six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Worf decides uh, to try a gambit. Right? We we mm -hmm. have a, a an idea how to talk these guys down, which of course are not going to listen to any Federation folks. Roll for disguise. Yeah. <laughs> I love those. Um, thank goodness they can replicate check. clothing. And they yeah. wear them well. Those are badass yeah. looking uniforms they both got on. I love Worf's Very cool outfit. Worf has the super genius idea to dress up as a Klingon captain of the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. So good. And it instantly explains the situation to these newly woken Klingons because they see an actual Federation starship captained by what they believe by a Klingon. They may be woken, but they're not woke. Yeah. <laughs> to the fact that war is over. Have you lost <laughs> your mind? What is it good for? Huh? <laughs> Worf does some very convincing acting here. He sells it. He like this is how he would act if he were a Klingon captain. Powerful mm. and lots of insults. I like uh, uh trust your eyes or are they still stuck? Is your mind still stuck in its long slumber? There's <laughs> some good Sick ones. Dis. Well, he wisely also gives them the picture of a future where the Klingons clearly won the war, right? Cuz right. they're the commanders on an ep on a starship that's clearly a federation design. So, that makes it even more convincing of like cuz he wants to believe that after a cold sleep. That's mm -hmm. a that's a nice thing to come home to. Side note, I wonder if they looked at some dailies and were like, "Ooh, Maybe it is weird how dark her makeup is because it felt like in this bridge scene, uh, Kalar had lighter makeup. Mm. It could have been it the, could lighting be the lighting too. I found her. Yeah. I found her head ridges to be really inconsistent. Like I definitely saw some of the lines sometimes, but that's always that's always hard with people with guest appearances and yep. intense makeup. It's hard to get them right. Whereas like worse, they had to dial in for like all of season one, and now they've got it perfected. And we're viewing it differently than how it aired as well. Oh, yeah. It wasn't in HD. Where there were some see. very close-up shots. I was like, okay, yeah. uh, everybody's got a <laughs> layer three on right now. 
Yeah, yeah every yeah. time you see data's every pore, right. <laughs> it's always interesting. Or, one of the contacts is just like slightly off. He just looks sort of fish-eyed, and I'm like, "Oh, we weren't meant to see it this close." I wonder <laughs> if I wonder if they'll ever put options on streaming services to be like old Vaseline. version, like yeah, yeah like have the oh, what yeah. what was broadcast, like see right, what that right. would be like. Oh That'd man, be uh, write to their contact uh, request email address. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works. The uh, wharf doesn't lie. He simply hid the truth from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in both of these situations, we also see a callback to the poker situation of like if anyone on the ship is going to ca- have a bluff uh, against an enemy, Worf is the Iceman, and so it's a direct use of the skills he's developed playing poker. Yeah, they've definitely done a good job of tying themes into all aspects of an episode. I feel like the writers are finally really doing a good job with that, as opposed to like let's do a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, it works for this one, and then I think they get attached to that poker idea a little <laughs> too much. <laughs> but it's good for this one. And then the dramatic romantic conclusion of the episode is with just the two of them, Morithbin and Kalar, in the transporter bay. And she almost just leaves with them in a huff and turns and is like, God damn you, Worf. You yeah. were just going to let, you weren't going to stop me dramatically and like grab me and kiss me and. What is wrong with Klingons and their romantic culture? Right. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of good arguments with this one. Not even arguments, but this discussion. Uh, And it comes full circle into, like, we can have a relationship as consenting adults, uh, but... Worf is like this is just what I believe and if this isn't going to work for me in in the place that I am now and I feel like that is an adult way to look at it. Yeah, he's holding his line. She's like, hey, <laughs> I'm open to it. I just, you know, I'm half human, so I need a little more courtship, buddy. If you could mm. if you could work with me on that. Um, speaking of close-up in HD, really noticing the eyebrow work for, on Worf's makeup, though. Well, and that is beautiful. I think yeah. that was specifically for the captain bit that he had, like, especially quaffed. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, very feathery. Uh, right. Like from the arch and flowing out, beautiful eyebrow yeah. hairs. Uh, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then he says, Kalar, I will not be complete without you. Mm. And she's you like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. That's good oh, enough. Wait, it's working. <laughs> and then we end on this look from Worf that's like a total smolder of like, mm. oh, yeah. I got her now. She'll be back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wait, so she if- even says she'll be back. She says, maybe next time I come visit, you can't get rid of me so easy. Ooh. Well, we'll have to mm-hmm. see in a future episode. I have to ask, though, if so if mm. he did it did his eyebrows in between the whole Klingon bluff moment, like, is he, like, in the bridge bathroom, like, at the mirror, and she's helping <laughs> him? Hold this. on one minute. One more minute. I, got, I just got to knit. Hold on. I got to get it right. They're not yep. balanced. The left one's longer. <gasps> Yep. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's, there, that's, that's what the bathroom on the bridge is for. Eyebrow maintenance. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Their sister's not twins. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You just got to remember that. They'll never mm-hmm. look the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, that was a lot of fun. And next week, we're going to have even more fun because it's technically the last real episode of right. season two for us. You keep saying that, and I don't know what that means. I'll clarify, but let me tell you what the next episode is. It's Peak Performance. A Starfleet war game simulation pitting Picard against Riker is interrupted by an attack from the Ferengi. 
Spoilers. Yeah. No, well, that's the way they describe it. I'm going to, I will stop. Memory Alpha, you really effed up on that one. What but about suspense? I also wonder, like, I don't know if people that write Memory Alpha or, like, make the entries are actually writing those or if they're taking them from the synopsis of, like, what is published, like, in the TV uh, like guide. TV back guide. In, yeah. yeah. And sometimes they they wrote those out that way. But yeah. uh, I'll start writing our own for season three. Welcome what I mean... to Boldly Watch. It's our uh, Memory Alpha criticizing podcast. <laughs> um, each week we... <laughs> I only yeah. have respect How and admiration for those people. For sure. These people that put together everything yeah. that we use. And I yeah. crib it for sure. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that the episode after that is called Shades of Grey. And it's actually a clip show. Which is which we talked about before is a collection, uh, a montage almost, of different sections from previous episodes. There were, it's a way to squeeze out a bonus episode without having to shoot a whole lot of extra footage. Correct. It's when they need to do another episode and don't have the budget to really do a full one as well. Um, How many shades of gray could they afford? <laughs> <laughs> Not 50. Yeah. So, so what we're going to do, I think, is still record an episode about it, but make it a bonus episode for our Patreon. Aha. Uh-oh. You just pissed off so many podcast-only listeners. They are fuming, and a table is about to get smashed. Well, take a trip down to the holodeck and calm down and then come back and become a patreon subscriber so you can support everything we do at good time society there we go Yay, make sure to wear plugs. your calisthenics at- outfit too <laughs> to oh yeah absolutely so we'll Photo shoot idea patreon exclusive content <laughs> <laughs> so we will definitely see you guys next week for peak performance and on that note Warp speed. Oh. <laughs> Warp speed. Warp speed. You had Warp no speed. idea it was coming. Nope. You had no idea. <laughs>